Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you guys. First, before we get started, I just have to throw some major kudos to my buddy Sean Terry. This piece of art that's behind you, and I call it art for a reason, is completely hand-drawn by him. Hours and hours invested by hand, drawn by Sean Terry. So if you see him, give him a pat on the back, because he crushed it. Just looking at it, I'm just like, oh, spring does exist. I kind of forget sometimes, right about like end of February, March, like they say spring is coming, but it doesn't really feel that way. So something like this kind of gets me that way. But no, CCC, it's so good to see you guys. Uh, For those of you who may not know me, my name is Tyler Green. I am the children's director here at Community Christian Church. Uh, But not only do I, uh, have I been on, am I on staff here? I am a product of CCC. My family came here when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. And uh, I've been born and raised here through the kids ministry, the junior high, the high school, uh, the young adult ministry. And I've done everything from wash Pastor Tony's car to help preach at the exchange to uh, mop floors, buy soda pop for the barbecues. I've done everything around here. But I got to say, there's something special about being able to share the gospel, share the word with you guys this morning. So I'm super excited. Thank you guys. Thank you. And being here at CCC, it does feel like family. You know, I've gotten the opportunity uh, while I was away at college to be able to preach at churches there or uh, preach at chapel or in different mediums, but there's something about being with your family. Now, I have literal family here, but my church family, there's something so special because there's a level of informality. We can just talk like we know each other and we can get right down to business. And so uh, with that, are you guys cool with that? you guys cool if we just get right to it? Awesome, awesome. Well, today we are kicking off an amazing series called Refresh. Everybody say refresh. Refresh. Oh, it's almost like saying it starts moving something and gets the ice cubes moving a little bit in there. We're in this series called Refresh, and this couldn't come at a better time because we just, as the pastoral team was praying into what this year looked like and what did the church need, we really do lean on the Holy Spirit to tell us what does our church body need. We felt like we needed the proverbial deep breath and filling of God for this new season. We're entering the second quarter of the year. We're three months in to 2020. And uh, I don't know about you, January and February had a lot going on if you haven't been paying attention in the world or even in your own life. And there's something about getting, you're a third of the way through or a quarter of the way through and you just go, all right, I just need to take a deep breath. And so we hope that this series kind of acts like that reminder for you through this whole month. We have just amazing speakers lined up through the month, so I'm super honored to be able to kind of kick things off for you. As we look at the word refresh, and I was praying, asking God what refresh meant, I really felt like God was saying new. Not necessarily new as in he's throwing out everything about you. He's breathing life back into something that maybe was dry, something that was just a little bit dormant. Maybe it's like the flame in your soul was just going out, just about to be quenched. And there's something about like a campfire, just a breath of 
fanning your flame a little bit. And so as I was praying into what refresh meant, I really felt like it meant refreshing our walk, our intimacy with the Holy Spirit, our intimacy with the Father. So today I'm going to highlight a specific component of refreshing. I'm going to talk about the topic of silence. Everybody say silence. Now this one is a tough one because uh, as I was talking to PT, we kind of looked at the series. He, Pastor Tony approached me and asked if I would share this one. And the funny thing was, I'd say this is, of everything we're going to talk about this month, this is the hardest one for me. Can anybody else relate? Who has trouble just being silent for any stretch of time? Even like 10 seconds, I almost start to like vibrate. Like, I have to like make noise or something. If you saw me at home by myself, I probably just talk to my dog all the time just to like make noise. But no, it's a, it's a condition that all of society, especially American society we have, we struggle with silence. And the, the thing is, scripture is littered with opportunities for God telling us to be still, to be quiet, to wait, to hear from him. But there's something about just our daily grind that keeps us from getting to this place. I'd venture to say, if I went up to any of you in the hallway and say, hey, how have you been? What's the first thing somebody would say? Busy busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm so, your mind is just always running. And so uh, I want to highlight in God's word and, and the examples that God's word shows us of why silence is going to bridge the gap from our busy, chaotic, noisy lives to the peace that goes beyond all, our, all understanding in the kingdom of God, in the presence of God. We're going to talk about how silence is that bridge today. So before we get started, I just want to pray. Because I feel like today, God is just moving in a unique way, and uh, so I just want to pray that our hearts would be open. So would you guys mind just bowing your heads? We're going to get some, uh, we're going to pray real quick. <sighs> Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, would you fill this room in a unique way, eroding the way the hardness of our hearts, revealing the soft flesh of our spirit. God, we're asking that any preconceived notions, any hurts, any baggage from the weak, God, that you would wash it away right now and prepare us to receive a word. God, we know that a word can transform a life in a moment. So God, we're asking for that today, that for every heart willing to receive, that there would be transformational power. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to illustrate kind of a snapshot of what my day has looked like before the Lord started really working on me with this. And if you agree, just kind of nod your head and be like, yeah, that's me, or elbow somebody next to you if that's them. So here's a snapshot of my day. My alarm clock goes off uh, during the test probably anywhere between like 5.30 and 6, depending on the day. I wake up and it's my phone that's like three, maybe like a foot and a half from my head. I immediately grab it, hit snooze, put it back. Anybody else? Yeah, okay. I'm among similar people. That's good. Then it goes off again. I finally turn it off, but rather than uh, set the phone down and go get in the shower, I put it right in front of my face, and I just start scrolling. That something about that blue light, that illumination, just, it's like, keeps me going, I think. Probably not, but... So I do that for a minute, then I'm like, okay, I actually have to get out of bed. I roll out of bed, and I immediately flick on a podcast or music or something as I hop into the shower and I'm getting ready. 
And so now I have more noise. I actually have a Bluetooth speaker in my bathroom so I can make sure I can hear it over the noise of the shower and everything. So whether I'm rocking out to some music or a podcast, it could be even preaching, it's something good, it's Bible teaching or something. But I kind of start my day and I have noise going. All right, so I finish the shower, I'm getting ready. I make breakfast, I'm making coffee, I maybe turn on the TV and there's the news, or maybe I do a little sports center devotions. Anybody else with me? <laughs> Who's a morning news person? Who, who has that in their routine? Yeah, that's what, okay. Yeah, see you among friends. So you have the news on, you have a sports center on, whatever. You have some noise going. Maybe you have other people in your home, kids, a spouse, or somebody's in your home kind of moving around as well. You finish getting ready, you eat breakfast, and you sit down, and you're like, all right, God, I got 10 minutes, all right. And you sit down, you crack open your, whatever your Devo is with your Bible, and you read through it, and you're like, all right, Jesus, just, okay. And you get in the car, and you turn on the car, you maybe scrape all the ice off, and all, whatever you gotta do to get ready. After you finish that, maybe you have talk radio on in the car, or music, or maybe you have something going on. But again, more noise, noise, noise. Now you're at work. And I'm sure work is not always the easiest place. You got the workplace gossip. Or maybe you're at home and you're watching the 24-hour news cycles perpetuating garbage. And you're watching that all day. And then you come home, you flick on the TV to turn your brain off and relax. You eat dinner, go to bed, rinse, wash, repeat, and that's the, that's the day. Can anybody else relate to a part of that? I'm sure. I'm sure any of us in America, we can relate to any of that that we always, almost 24 hours, have noise going on. Any conscious moment, even in our brains, our, our minds are racing when we sleep. We are wired for noise. And if you've uh, just paid attention or you just kind of reflect on yourself for even a moment, we would realize how much of our day is actually spent without noise. It's very minimal compared to maybe times pre-technology, things like that. I'm not saying technology is bad, but what I'm saying is it stimulates this need for noise that we always have going on. And so because of that, we have now this new wiring in us for noise, to stay stimulated, to keep our minds busy. And so I feel like this highlights a reason that why do we struggle to be silent? Maybe one is because we're so used to noise that as soon as there's no noise, you're like, you're, you're getting edgy. Like, oh, I'm missing out on what this podcast is saying, or I'm missing out on what combine news is going on this weekend, or I'm missing out on whatever, the news cycle, the election campaigns, whatever. When we get so bogged down needing noise. I'd also argue, too, our accessibility to noise is bar none right now. I can open my phone and choose between a podcast and audiobook, music, YouTube, Netflix, Disney, like all of the above. I can get to it right away. And so then because of that, it keeps us distracted from comprehending what's going on in our own mind or even what the Lord might be trying to talk to us about throughout the day. There's something about being able to do the work to reprogram, rewire our minds away from needing noise and craving the silence. And so today, I want to highlight the benefits of silence. I'm going to challenge you today to find an area in your day-to-day where you can replace noise with silence. It's going to be tough, and I'm going to talk to you about it next week. I won't be from here. I'll see you in the, in the, in the lobby. I'm going to ask all of you, you better have done it. 
No, so we're going uh, to talk about the benefits of silence through God's word. But what's really interesting is this need for silence is now making its way into culture. And uh, what's so powerful is the way that movies use silence. Does anybody in here a movie buff? Who's a movie? Like, I'm such a movie guy. I will go to the movies by myself. Now, some of you are probably like, what a loser. <laughs> no, seriously, I love going to movies by myself. There's something about this immersive thing, especially like the Dolby surround sound. I want to like feel the noise and the, the intensity. So a couple of years ago, this movie that was nominated for a bunch of awards, whatever, is called Gravity. This movie, Gravity, and it uses silence better than any movie I've ever experienced because it takes place in space. So I remember I was at the movie theater and I was into it. Sandra Bullock, George Clooney, and they're fixing this satellite out in space. And all of a sudden, this like meteor or this like space garbage, whatever comes through and detaches them from the satellite they're trying to fix. And there's this epic moment of George Clooney. He's detached. The gas that's in his little like jet pack to propel him is empty. He has no rope. The, he, the rope like slides out from his hands and now he's floating into space and the movie cuts all the noise. It just as he floats into the abyss of space and I'm just sitting there like, Oh, like no noise, but just like, oh, this is so crazy. And a, a sweet little lady for a few rows ahead of me, she goes, did George Clooney just die? I'm like, I almost took my shoe and just threw it. Like you ruined the whole feel of it. I, go, I paid my, you know, $47 for a movie ticket and I want to enjoy the experience. My goodness. There's something powerful about that silence. It kept me in that moment. It made me feel everything. And there's something about that silence being interrupted that's jarring. You're just like, ah, no, that doesn't feel right. That wasn't, no, I need what's going on here. Uh, I was studying this in sports right now, in the NFL, every single team right now is hiring a professional sports psychologist. What's interesting is they're seeing that mental health is deteriorating at a crazy rate among professional athletes. These young men and women are being introduced to ungodly amounts of money at 18, 19 years old. They're inundated with uh, social media and noise and the publicity of uh, the worldwide audience and they are losing their minds. They're, they're really having trouble processing this newfound fame and fortune. So what these NFL teams have done, and I feel like in the behind the scenes, God is actually working this all out even though they might not realize it, but every team is hiring a psychologist and they sat down. I watched one with the Tennessee Titans and he's a uh, sports psychologist, and he took Derrick Henry, who is the, was the best running back in the NFL this year, and he says he encouraged Derrick Henry to sit down for 20 minutes a day in silence. And this was last offseason, before he was the rushing leader, before he led the team to the AFC Championship and almost to the Super Bowl. Derrick Henry, this amazing athlete, young man, amazing just talent, his game-shifting technique that he implemented last offseason was 20 minutes of silence a day. I think there's something to be said about this person who is generally inundated with noise. His performance, his mental state was locked in after making the practice of spending 20 minutes a day in silence. So I, as I look at this from a Christian's perspective and God kind of speaking to me about this word, 
I see how his hand is kind of moving in different parts of society, demanding our silence. Meditation, now there's apps all over the app store for guided meditation. And it's all, in a way, trying to point to God, but they don't realize it. I I see it as if any human made in the beautiful image of God, if given enough time waiting to hear, God would speak to them. But the enemy keeps our minds busy and stimulated so we never take the time to hear it. There's crazy testimonies. I saw this testimony of a monk in India who was taking a vow of silence in a, a different religion, but was taking this vow of silence, and the Holy Spirit uh, met him in a time of meditation, and actually Jesus met him and told him the gospel in this time of meditation. And so what I would, I would petition to you is, even on, without us having to do anything, slowing our minds down to silence, Jesus is able to do work that we didn't even realize we needed. And so today, as we dive into his word, I want to encourage you to think Jesus has something for you that he wants to work on with you, he wants to inspire you with, he wants to compel you and move you into the next season, into this next great thing, whatever it is for you, give you peace. But sometimes we're just a little too distracted to hear what it is. So I want to encourage you today every single person in this room, as I prayed and I labored in prayer for this room, I just was getting this deep sense of God is like, I'm knocking. I'm knocking on every door. I'm just waiting for doors to be open. Scripture says that he knocks on the door and waits. And so today, I'm believing that this room is going to be filled of people opening doors, receiving fresh, refreshed words from the Holy Spirit today. So, The scripture that the Lord kind of led me to, it takes me to the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles uh, or you turn them on on your phone, why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to Philippians 3. Philippians 3, we're going to start at verse 10, but I want to encourage you. The book of Philippians is only like four chapters long, and it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's like Paul, who's literally probably writing from prison, is writing like his best friend, the church at Philippi, because he's like, he has nothing to like, like teach them or like, he's, they're not in trouble like the Galatians or other people. He's like, listen, you guys are awesome. You guys have supported me. You've prayed for me. And so he just gives this encouraging word. So I'd encourage you as believers, read the book of Philippians. It'll take you 20 minutes and just be stirred by this faith of Paul writing from imprisonment, this encouraging word. We're going to look at verse 10 specifically. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Become like him in his death. I want to know Christ. This is Paul the apostle. He met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. He got knocked off his horse, blinded, and was miraculously healed. And he from prison who had, if anybody had a right to be angry with God or not want anything to do with him, it was Paul sitting in this ancient prison. But from this point, he's saying, no, I want to know him. I want to be one with him. I want to know what it's like to be one with his death and his resurrection. That's why we do communion this morning, is to identify as one with that death, burial, and resurrection power. So Paul is encouraging these people to lean in and say, how do we know Christ? All we have to do is look back to the life of Jesus. 
Your silence, Jesus is showing us this example, your silence is going to be your permission to God for intimacy. I'm gonna say that again. Your silence is permission for intimacy with God. Now let me explain that a little bit further in the life of Jesus. Jesus was a very popular guy in his time, both for the, the, according to the Pharisees, it was the wrong reasons, but according to what we know now as believers, it was the right reasons. Stirring crowds of thousands, and he was healing people all day long. He was preaching, he was uh, teaching parables, he was teaching to his, uh, to the disciples. But often Jesus would dismiss himself to go and be with the Father in prayer and in silence, away from the noise. Even Jesus, the Son of God, needed to step away from the noise to be close to God. And we know this because in John 12, 49, it says, for I did not speak on my own, but for the Father who sent me, commanded me to say all that I have spoken. In John 5, 19, it says, Jesus gave them this answer, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself, He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus didn't get that on the fly. He had to go and step away. The scripture says he would pray all night. One of the most powerful times we see this is Jesus, after meeting with this big mass of people, sends the disciples. He says, get on a boat, start sailing across the sea. I'll meet you there. And I'm sure the disciples are like, wait, you're here. We're on the boat. How are you going to meet us there? They didn't ask questions. The Bible at least tells us they didn't ask questions. They just got in the boat and sailed off. So Jesus leaves and is in time of prayer. And this is when we see one of his most famous miracles is where he steps out onto the water and meets them on the water. And and that's when he calls out Peter and teaches this lesson on faith. Jesus, modeling our walk with him, says, listen, you can do the most amazing thing. You can preach to the thousands, to the masses you still need to get away. You still need to have that prayer life, the silence where it's just you and God. If Jesus had to do it, we are no exception to not needing it. You see what I'm saying? Jesus had to model that for us. And so out of this place of silence, we know that our intimacy with him, with the Father, will will grow and we're gonna glean his character out of that intimacy. So today, I wanna highlight Uh, a handful of points of what we will take away from our time in silence. So number one, they're going to show up on the board here. Number one is going to be self-control. Everyone say self-control. Oh, this one's hard. Listen, I run hot, like naturally. I'm a very passionate person. And usually my mouth is like 10 feet out ahead of my brain, and my heart's probably way out ahead of my mouth too. I run just passionately, and I've had to learn that it's through the the ministry of the Holy Spirit in silence that I needed to relax. I don't need to shoot my mouth off. I don't need to say what what I said then. I don't need to act out. This place of silence and stillness before the Lord gives me that meekness, that tenderness that Jesus walked in, that I could be like him in self-control. Psalm 4, 4 says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. It is better for you to work out your anger in the privacy of your room by yourself than to lash it out against another person and cause them to sin and be in tension. It's better to work it out. Psalm 39, 1 says, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. 
I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. That one's tough. Because at work or at your place of, wherever you're at, it's tough to keep our mouth shut among people who have no conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not calling them bad. They maybe just don't know yet. But as they gossip, as they talk about their boss, as they talk about their whatever, it's so easy to be caught up in that. And the psalmist is saying, I would muzzle my mouth as to not sin with my tongue. It is better for us. And we don't do that out of just our own will and strength. It truly takes the intimacy with God to know the power of guarding our tongue, guarding our mouth, and having the self-control. I'm sure any parent can attest to this, but I was reading this article about uh, child discipline. As just a part of my job as a children's director, how can I help instruct my teachers to discipline appropriately that partners with the family, but is also setting healthy expectation in the class? And one of the biggest things, almost every piece of information I read was you never discipline out of anger. You never discipline emotionally because you'll either go too hard, too fast, or whatever. You're going to go too further than you thought. Self-control. You know, it's like uh, there's a, a guy that I love listening to. His name is Brett Ray. He talks about the, the 10 rule, the count to 10. And there's something about that. It's, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us to do it, but there's this principle of waiting on God in that moment saying, okay, one, two, three, four. And you count to 10 to slow down and be able to assess the situation with self-control. The need to satisfy yourself is erased when the Lord speaks. Nothing else is going to be as gratifying. So our self-control is mediated by a word from God in that time of privacy that you will no longer need to satisfy yourself out of your lack of self-control. Number two, rest. Everybody say rest. Ah, oh, I love rest. Love rest. Isaiah thirty fifteen says, In the quietness and confidence is your strength. Psalm 62, 5 says, Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Rest is a unique component because we immediately associate rest with sleeping, or we associate rest with doing nothing, which can absolutely be restful. But I'll tell you, for me, I don't rest well sitting on the couch just watching TV. I almost feel like stir-crazy. I'll start to just like lose my mind. I have to do something productive. Right? I have to just like move my body a little bit uh, to, to find rest. Rest for me might just be cleaning the house because then I can sit down and be like, this feels good. Or rest for me is taking the dog for a walk when it's not negative 15 degrees. Or rest for me is going for a bike ride or riding my longboard. It's doing something that allows your mind to not be uh, so focused on the day-to-day, the task, the stress, the ang- what makes you angry. It's shifting your mind to something that gives you peace aligns you with God, and allows you to detach from what's causing strife or anxiety in your life. It's not turning your brain off. I want to tell you that because what we get so used to doing is we just turn something on that just pumps information in, and we never actually stop and process what's going on in here. And I want to tell you, with the news, with podcasts, with preaching, with anything you're reading— Keeping your mind active allows God to download, 
what he thinks about what you're taking in. And then it can be a revelation rather than just regurgitating what we're taking in. We want to be carriers of the Holy Spirit. We want to be carriers of the Word of God. And if all we do is turn our brains off for the sake of rest, we're not being engaged. What we need to do is in this time of silence, we uh, reorient our brain towards rest. Rest, the most, some of the most restful things, honestly, and I know it's, I'm saying it from a pulpit so it can sound hyper-spiritual, but is just a time of worship, is a time of prayer. And if you're like, listen, cool, but, you know, I want to encourage you, do it. I, I'm going to challenge you on it. Take my word and try it once. Switch your sports talk radio, and I'm talking to myself, switch your sports talk radio in the car for two songs of worship on your commute and see if God doesn't meet you there with a powerful just revelation of something that you needed at that moment. You will find that your soul is rested and you're not anxious from the moment you wake up. The next one, obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. And everybody, every parent said amen. <laughs> obedience is a huge one, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. Because obedience is one of the toughest things because God's ways are higher than our ways. We are so used to wanting to just carve our own path. We are going to take that proverbial snow shovel and just carve our path whatever way we want to do it. And when God is like, listen, I already laid the salt this way. You're fine. You don't have, but I'm like, no, I got to go this way. Obedience takes time in knowing the Father. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's the goal. Let me take you back to Genesis 1. God is walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. This is what, every, this is what earth was supposed to be before the fall of man, was hand in hand with God, his voice in our ears, and his presence always with us. And when sin separated us and the void came into play, we got this detachment from being able to hear his voice. But when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn from top to bottom, he recreated a bridge from you to God, and that includes hearing his voice. It's not just his blessings vending machine pumping out stuff for you. It's hearing him telling you, laughter to the right, this is the way. Jesus has created the opportunity for you to obey, but all we have to do is slow down and say, God, what do you think about this? What do you think about this conversation I need to have at work? What do you think about this thing that's going on with my son who needs discipline? God, what do you think about this financial decision I need to make? God, what do you, ask for him and his direction will become clear, but we have to be willing to slow down and wait on that word. If we just try and do the microwave-like version of it and say, God, I got 30 seconds. I'm sorry, I gotta go. That, I don't wanna say God is like not okay with that, but I wanna say like in any healthy relationship, if I were to tell my wife like, hey darling, you got 30 seconds to tell me about your day because I gotta, does that end well? All the husbands said, no, that does not end well. There's this beautiful relationship that God wants to have where he says, I want to tell you what I think about you. I want to tell you what I have in store for you. I want to tell you what I think about what's going on in your life. But we just need to be willing to sit down and say, all right, God, what do you have to say? 
and let it happen. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in 1 Kings 19. It's a story of Elijah. Let me set the stage for you. Elijah is a prophet from God in the Old Testament. And at this time, prophets, their main job was to hear God and to declare the word of the Lord, whatever it was, for a city or a people group, whatever it was. Where I'm about to start our story, Elijah has just come off a massive victory for God. He tells the, the prophets of Baal to build this huge altar, and he says, listen, sacrifice the, the ox on it, put the wood on it, and call out to Baal. And they did it for 12 hours. Called out to Baal saying, Baal, set it ablaze. Baal, show yourself. It, the Bible says they were literally cutting themselves with swords as like an offering to Baal. Nothing happened. It says Elijah started mocking them. He says, no, shout louder. Keep yelling. He'll show up eventually, right? Elijah is mocking them in a sense, and he goes, all right, I'm going to double down. Elijah has them take four buckets of water, giant buckets of water, covers the altar three times. Twelve giant buckets of water covers it. And he says, God, would you meet us here? And fire, the scripture says that fire came down and consumed the altar, consumed the sacrifice, and burned up the stones that wrapped the altar. God showed up in a minute. You would think if you were Elijah in that moment, you're like, wow, I am pretty close to God right now. This feels good. That was cool. But what immediately happens after that is Elijah is, walk, is going to his new place and he's struck with fear because this wicked king of Israel, Ahab, him and his wife Jezebel are making plans to kill him. Jezebel says, on my name, I will make sure what happened to the prophets of Baal, I will do to you. She throws down the gauntlet and says, I'm coming after you. And he freaks out. This dude who just saw God bring down fire from heaven is now terrified for his life. And I think if we were to look at our own life, we could see God come through in a powerful way and the next day be strict with fear because we forget. Let us never forget the goodness of God in in our life. Let us never forget the miracles that God shows in the day-to-day because he has something in store we just can't forget. But Elijah, he's struck with fear. And he goes and he's hiding in this cave. And he feels like the Lord is going to talk. He he hears a voice and he says that the Lord is going to pass by, be prepared. And in this moment... He's there and he's shaking with fear, thinking he's being hunted like an animal. And while he's sitting in the cave, this big wind, this gust of wind that's splitting the mountains, splitting the rocks comes, but he doesn't hear God. Then an earthquake comes and shakes the ground. The cave is rumbling all around him, but God's voice wasn't in the earthquake. These events happen, these crazy, loud, noisy, what you think would show the power and might of God, nothing. Then a whisper comes and speaks to Elijah and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? I want you to go. I want you to anoint this new king of Israel. I want you to anoint this person. I want you to go and find the next prophet after you, Elisha. We need to be mindful that God is trying to speak to us, but it's the earthquakes of our life. It's the wind and the the noise that keeps us distracted from that still, small voice. Elijah was running from fear but he was running towards purpose and he didn't realize it. But the pivot point in all of this was a word from God. The pivot point from your fear to your purpose is a word from God. But we only get there when we're ready to listen. 
Church, are you ready to listen today? Are you ready to listen, to hear a word from God? Because I don't know what's, I don't know uh, all of your stories, I know some of your stories, but maybe you find yourself right now struck down with fear, like Elijah. You find yourself struck down with doubt, fear, anxiety, worry, depression, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And you find yourself like Elijah, you're basically in your own cave, afraid. And there's noise going on around you. There's the earthquakes, the wind. Everything is shattering and moving and shaking around you. It feels like you can't even get your feet under you. I want to encourage you today. The Lord's voice is speaking. Just sit and wait. It will speak. And you're going to find that that moment is going to pivot you into the next thing that God has for you. So don't let these things bog you down, but instead combat the enemy's attack with noise and distraction and use your silence as a weapon against the enemy to hear God's voice and take that next step of obedience forward. Your silence is exactly that. It is an attack against the enemy. Now it seems counterintuitive because silence is supposed to be restful, peaceful, but that's exactly the kingdom Jesus came to preach a gospel of peace. He didn't have to come and overthrow governments and and throw the world as we knew it on, on its head. He came and said, no, love your neighbor as yourself and to love God. He flipped everything on its head. Our obedience comes when we can slow down, hear from God, and make the pivot into the next thing that God has for us. The last one I want to talk about is a life-changing experience. You might think I'm being a little melodramatic. I'm telling you, I'm not. When you get alone with God, what can happen in those moments will absolutely change your life forever. I remember when the Lord called me and just really rocked my heart, and I, I knew immediately that I was called to ministry. The Lord, I just started to crave wanting to read the word and to stay close to God. And so I would make it a habit of, of setting time aside. Now, granted, there are seasons of doing it really good, seasons of maybe not doing it so good. That's just being human. But generally, I'm leaning into God. And there was a time in 2019, I was just in this time of prayer, and I felt like the Lord highlighted the Sterling Heights police to me. In a time of prayer, in the morning, I don't know why, just felt like he highlighted them. And I asked God, what do you want to do with this? And he goes, I just want you to carry my blessing to them. I just want you to bless them. So I said, okay. So I went. I just felt like the Lord just prompted me to do that. I didn't know what that even meant, but I was going to obey in this moment because I felt like I heard the Lord do it. So I went to Little Caesars. I bought a stack of pizzas. I went to the Sterling Heights Police Department. I dropped them off and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm just, I felt like you guys needed a little blessing, so here's lunch on me. They're like, oh, are you from some organization or whatever? I didn't want to like pump our tires or anything. I didn't want to say from CCC. I said, no, honestly, I'm just a Christian. I was praying this morning. I felt like God wanted me to tell you that he's looking out for you. He loves you. Can I pray for any of you guys? And I got to pray with like the staff at the police department right there. It was so awesome. And I'm not saying that to promote myself. What I'm saying is, is that that mobilization, that obedience is in each of us. In a moment like that, as much as it's a blessing on them and glory to God, it will change your life. There's this, I make this annual pilgrimage to a movie called Goodwill Hunting. Now, I'm not going to like promote it because it swears a lot. I'm sorry. Um, 
But uh, Goodwill Hunting, it's Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, great movie. And there's this moment where uh, Matt Damon is this genius. Everything he reads, he memorizes. It's just incredible. And so he's in this counseling session with Robin Williams, who is his counselor. And Robin Williams says to him, I bet if I asked you to explain art to me, you would quote Shakespeare, or you could tell me about Michelangelo and everything about him. You could just regurgitate the books about art. And he goes, yeah, I could absolutely tell you all that. He said, but Robin Williams responded and said, but could you tell me what it smells like on the inside of the Sistine Chapel as you look up at this beautiful piece of art? And Matt Damon was kind of awestruck. And all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord kind of highlighted to me, it's like, this is the difference. There's knowing God, then there's knowing God. I want you to read. I want you to study. I want you in the Word, because it's living and active. But I want you, at, at some point in your time of devotion, to close the book, sit in silence, and say, God, what do you have for me today? And experience Him, not just read about Him. Because there's something I could read, if my wife and I had never met, I could read her Tinder page and know a a lot about her. But there's something about when I actually met her, I could see her face to face, get to know her, that relationship was formed. Our, I know Tinder just like went way over the head to like half the room. It's a dating service for millennials, sorry. There's a powerful moment to be had when we are willing to slow down and say, God, what do you have to say? And our lives can be absolutely changed forever. Like I said, when Jesus tore that veil and he separated the gap that was going to be from us and him for eternity and he bore that for us, he says, no, I'm creating the avenue for all of you to be able to walk into my presence at any moment you want and encounter me and hear what I have to say and be renewed by the peace that goes beyond all understanding, to feel the refreshing of your soul that nothing in this world can ever offer. He offered that to you in one final act when he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head dying on the cross. He gave that for you thinking about you. A moment to hear what he has to say will change your life forever. So I want to encourage you today. Church, what would it look like if we got a hold of this? If we had an, uh, this church of people, this few hundred people that slowed down and said, God, what do you have for me today? What do, what do you want to say today? And we had a mobilized church hearing the voice of God clear as day and being mobilized into our cities. We, we represent here, I did a study a, a couple years ago, I think we represent like 15 different area codes, or uh, 15 different zip codes in our church body. What if we had a mobilized church hearing the voice of God whose life was changed by an encounter in a moment of silence affecting all of those zip codes? We would take over all of Southeast Metro Detroit for Jesus. We need to hear this. But listen, I want to encourage you. Silence is not an accident. You will, as any parent I'm sure can tell you, silence, you will never trip into silence. It is an action. It is a choice to get there. So I want to encourage you, where in your life can you carve out a moment, carve out a few minutes, as much as you can give, and replace it with waiting on God to hear what he has to say? 
at this moment, if you guys would just bow your heads, I want to wrap up here just with the time of prayer. Maybe you're in this room and you're thinking, man, I've never heard this kind of stuff before. What are you talking about? I just wandered into the church today. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, Tyler, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years and I've never once heard his voice. Wherever you land on that spectrum, today the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart saying, I have a word for you. I have so many things I want to tell you. So in this just brief moment of prayerful meditation, this prayerful moment, I learned this from a missionary who would work with the oppressed church. So just in this prayerful moment, I'm going to guide you through just a a few seconds of what this, the oppressed church would do to pray when they can't make noise. They have to be silent. They would breathe in their nose deep and out through their mouth. And they would visualize, I'm breathing in God and breathing out the world. I'm breathing in the Holy Spirit and I'm breathing out my spirit of repentance, my sin. I'm giving it to God. I'm breathing in peace and breathing out anxiety. And your breathing becomes worship without any noise. So I'm just going to guide us through three inhales. And I want you to decide what do you need to breathe in from God and what do you need to release from you. So inhale. And exhale. Inhale. And exhale. Last one. Inhale. And exhale. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for every heart in this room. God, we thank you that you, when you went to the cross, when you died for us, you thought of every single person in this room and about everything that they had to offer in this world, everything about them, good, bad, and indifferent. God, I'm asking right now that you would tug on the hearts, tug on our hearts to pull us into deeper relationship with you that we might know you more. And like you did with Moses, that you would speak to us face to face as if a friend spoke to another. God, I'm asking that your spirit would wash over this room in a hunger to hear your voice, a hunger for your word, that our spirits would be refreshed by a a new wave of what your spirit is doing in our life, a new fresh revelation from your word, a fresh revelation in a word from you. God, we're asking that we would be pivoted from where we're at to where we're going on a word that you have for us. God, we love you and we just put you first. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church family, what I would like to do at this moment is I don't want to let today go by without an opportunity to let you respond to maybe the Holy Spirit is working on you right now. Jesus is knocking on your heart saying, I need to get right with Jesus. I need to meet this Jesus. I need to make things right because I've been alone, away from God too long. What's going to happen is I'm going to formally dismiss and I'm going to ask that maybe you guys, you guys uh, just move out to the hall. But I want to, I'm going to have our altar team come up here just as I dismiss. And I want to encourage you, don't let another day go by without getting prayer for that moment. Don't let another day go by without meeting God in a place that maybe you just didn't know you needed him at. 
So I'm going to be up here. We're going to have some altar team members up here, and we'd love to pray with you. But outside of that, we love you so much. You guys are dismissed. Have an amazing week. I love you. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.